once this starts to get around that you're doing this, they have ways to try to silence people. The World Mission Society Church of God is a destructive cult. You should be tired from the gospel work. If heaven is like this church, I'd rather go to hell. get these emotions we genuinely believe that she was god when you see that they're suing for 12 million dollars what we're talking about here is narcissistic psychopaths your whole life is a lie the cult is very destructive do you feel you were abused 100%. they're one of the most aggressive groups out there you'll see like a shell. I think they're evil. They convinced him that I was possessed by the devil. The group has metastasized like a cancer. I don't know. Silence is uh, deafening. Today we have a very special interview all the way from Liverpool. We are speaking today with Harry Robinson, who is a film documentary maker how do i say it <laughs> uh, whatever you want to say Tony. <laughs> he creates documentaries and investigates the wimscog at this moment he has been investigating the wimscog for a while and so we were so excited to speak with him and he actually has a new documentary coming out later this week so we are very excited um, to speak with you thank you for joining us Oh no, thank you for it. Honestly, it's a, I mean, we spoke for the documentary, however many months ago it was now. Uh, so it's an honor for you to actually have me on, <laughs> on the podcast that I listened to as kind of research for the documentary. It's a bit of a, a bit of a weird one. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. I love, um, I love that we're like across the world from each other, but that we're now, we're, now we're all buds. I love this. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for um, putting so much time and, and effort and creativity into the documentary. Um, the trailer for it, as you guys heard as we introed in, um, it's a really, really well done piece of work. So oh, I'm really you. excited for the, the full documentary to come out and to kind of see what comes of it. The name of the documentary that you created is A Mother's Ruin. Is that right? Yes. That is a uh, great title. Do you know what I, I was? So I, I made I made the film. I guess whilst I was at uni, I was kind of borrowing uni cameras and stuff like that. Uh, but it was a lot of my my spare time, whatever. And it, that kind of came to me off because I mean, coming into the documentary, I didn't know anything about the church really. Um, I was put on to the WMSCOG by uh, like a friend of mine who we hadn't like we hadn't spoken in in like a decade or whatever. And I met up with her in london and her brother had had fallen into a church basically and she didn't know what church it was and she knew that i had kind of past experience with cults and religious groups and she was like could you find out what this is a side because i was asking how her family were so like, could you find out what church this was and it ended up being uh the wmscog based in london um and from that i fell down this big rabbit hole of yeah just speaking to so many kind of four members like yourself and and uh who i, I, I was speaking to with michelle cologne recently because i've stayed in touch with her like regularly with in terms of uh when the film was going to come out whatever because there was a lot of kind of paperwork waiting and stuff like that 
And uh, I, I, I was saying to her just how kind of privileged I feel to be the person who was entrusted, I guess, with everyone's stories. I imagine it's a bit of a weird one where for a lot of the people I spoke to, I was one of the first people they could speak to about the church who had an understanding, but I didn't have a a shared grief, I guess. I didn't have the kind of trauma or, or anything like that of the church. So I was able just to listen. Um, and it was a very, it's the most enlightening and, and most, it feels the most important piece of journalism I've ever done. Um, and it's, I think it's why I put a lot of time into it because I wanted to make sure it was bang on and right because the, there is countless numbers of, I guess, former members who, if I had gotten it wrong or or if the, the documentary didn't come out as good as I wanted it to, then it'd be an injustice, I guess, to the likes of you, the likes of Michelle, the likes of, you know, Kelsey Wells and all these other people who have tried to kind of put information out there about the church. Um, yeah, so I rambled on a little bit there. <laughs> As a former member, I just really deeply want to say thank you. And that means a lot because it's not easy to speak about what we've been through, especially for the first time. And so for them to trust you and for to open up to you, that really speaks to the kind of character that you have and the professionalism that you had carrying this all out. So thank you very, very much. Yeah. I, I want to say thank you because you and I, kind of have the same experience I feel that way yes. a lot on the podcast like I feel so so privileged to be brought into this like really traumatic you know traumatic experience with the members and that and that they'll be able to like that I'm in the room while they're sharing also um you have the talent to make oh, a piece of the 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 final product of what I know so many people wanted to see because I know the the members there's so much content on cults out there on docu like in a visual format as a documentary and I know we've been saying it's like the podcast is great the YouTube videos are great um in like the short form but everybody has been like we need a documentary (laughs) (laughs) where's the documentary about the windscog because you see all these other ones on everywhere and you're like the Wimscog story is also very intense and very like there's a lot of stuff that people need to know about it so I know a lot of us are so excited to see this put together and coming to fruition and um, to see the visual part, the documentary out there. oh thank you I mean I mean when we spoke as a, as a three uh for the documentary I mean I remember speaking to you Lindsay about kind of you the first person I spoke to who had an association I guess with with the experiences of the church but wasn't in the church obviously through Tony and stuff like that and that was such a uh an insight I guess to see someone who was also seeing it like me from the outside and trying to kind of understand but obviously because it's your sister you you put in the extra effort to understand it in the same way I to a degree obviously with less kind of trauma on, on my side but like I was putting in the effort to understand that in a kind of journalistic capacity. Whereas when I've spoken to people about, you know, I've, I've got family and I've got friends who've asked what I've been working on to try and put into words, I guess, what the church is. Um, also without making it seem like I'm fetishizing kind of cult behavior. That was something I didn't want to do. I didn't want to make it seem like, um, oh, look at this this crazy religious group who, who believes in, in a God in Korea because it's very easy to do that and it very easily diminishes the kind of victim status of a lot of the people in the church um i mean in in the documentary we knocked on 
uh, at the branch in Manchester and I, I had to kind of maybe be a bit forward and a bit accusation, which isn't my journalistic style. Um, but they, I wasn't given much access and stuff like that. And I went away from it kind of thinking I, it was a weird conflict there where I wanted to hold people to account to a degree. But at the same time, those people that were being very standoffish with me and, and slightly patronizing at the church, as much as you can go, like, oh, you know, uh, that they're, they're they're weirdly cocky or they're like the people who open the door aren't the people who are pulling the strings at the top like a lot of the people who were there in that church who were maybe being a bit patronizing or, or were trying to shut me down are also kind of lost in this this world where they've been brainwashed and, and stuff like that so yeah it's, it's this weird kind of ethical line i guess that you almost have to cross and I, when i've done pre so my my first documentary i did it with a um uh a, a, a hebrew israelite group they were they were classed as a hate group in oklahoma um so they were kind of like black supremacists or, or classified as that and i tried to as much as they were very hateful i tried to follow this line of kind of neutrality in terms of not wanting to come all guns blazing and shut them down because then it doesn't allow for a story to be painted even though i say in the documentary that they're hateful and like i'm not kidding myself whereas with this i didn't have the opportunity to if the if the church had opened up their doors to me i, I mean obviously i i heard enough horror stories and stuff like that from people that i know what i'm, I'm intelligent enough do you know what i mean to not have been kind of kidded but i would have given them the time of day to to answer questions uh and i think the fact that they didn't want to, which is kind of shown in the trailer. Uh, and there was a lot of kind of science on their end. It shows, I guess, the climate of fear that a lot of people are under to to not speak to people, journalists or anything like that. Um, and also the fact that underlying the people who are kind of pulling the strings or, or are at the top know that the things aren't right, I guess, uh, and the behavior in the church and, and the way that people are treated and the you know sheer trauma that that a lot of people shared with me or whatever all of those stories are are inhumane really and people there are people who do know what's going on at the top level who know that they need to get everyone to sh to shut up and not speak to kind of journalists who try to come knocking because otherwise then it things become a bit more apparent to the outside world i guess um so yeah the, the kind of ethical line to to cross when i was trying to edit and when i was filming stuff is a, a strange one um yeah when when you were done with your final product did you feel like you left with still a lot of questions about the Wimscog and it's and it's handled like its whole organization or do you feel like you got like a pretty good do you feel like this is the beginning of the questions or do you feel like you, you that, kind of know what's going such, on now that's such a fantastic question because <laughs> I think that so there, there is a lot of, um, you know, the, the the documentary itself is just shy of, of 30 minutes. Um, and that, that was a conscious, I had a, a, an immense amount of footage and I could have just had hours of, of kind of Zoom footage. But there was a part of me also that I thought, um, and this is a long-winded way of kind of answering your question. Uh, from what I kind of, my, my, uh, research beforehand i seem to have been one of the first people or the first one that i found who wasn't coming at it from a religious side so either wasn't coming from a direct tie to the church or coming from a kind of 
um, you know, heavily evangelical Christian side wanting to kind of disprove another religion because, my, like, I, I'm almost like devout agnostic. I kind of don't really, I'm interested in religion, but I don't have a belief myself. Um, so I did, I was very conscious of like, there's a lot of people who will watch it who are like me, and I didn't want to dilute the important things that were said by people by including too much of it because then it becomes almost white noise. Like, the, I wanted to hit all of the important points. There is loads of questions that I still have about the church. Um, there's also questions that maybe I could have answered in the documentary from stuff from, you know, fantastic stuff that was said to me. But I almost didn't want to kind of stretch out too much and not hit the main points as well. So that I think there's a, I, I think I have a, 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 a big knowledge about the, the church itself, maybe less so about someone that who actually was in the church. But the, I mean, I showed you my little book beforehand, like, I had books and books and books of just scrollings of, of research and like I so in the edit we, we have like a, a an Easter break I guess at uni and everyone went home for a week and I stayed at uni and I just watched just I think I had just under 30 hours of interview footage at that point um, and I just watched it all and transcribed it all for the whole week just on my own, <laughs> which was a, a weird kind of, uh, I kind of made a decision then that when I was finished with the edit and once I'd done it justice, that I'd give myself a bit of a breather because it was quite emotionally heavy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I bet. How long did it take? So when were you first, you know, when you first found out uh, your friend's family was introduced mm. into the WMSCOG? Yeah. When, when was that? So that was probably... Uh, 20, that was probably the summer of 2022. Okay. Um, so but that was been I, years. Yeah, so I kind of had it in the back of my mind. Um, maybe late summer of 2022. Uh, the way I, I so I kind of did it as a in tandem with my kind of uni studies because I wanted to put a lot of effort into this as well as kind of, you know, I'm I'm a working class kind of from I'm not I'm not from a kind of rich background or anything like that. I don't have my or I don't have my own equipment. I'm looking to purchase my own equipment, but that's why I was kind of utilizing the stuff that the uni gave me. So I kind of I knew coming into my final year at uni that I needed like a dissertation kind of project. Um, if you do it as a documentary, it's it's only like ten minutes. But I went out and kind of filmed way more than <laughs> ten minutes worth, I guess. Um, so that that kind of made it so like I was go. It, it took essentially the whole of the uni year so i finished in like late may for me to wrap up a 10 minute version but i had all of this other footage to like hit uh like all of the points that didn't get covered in that 10 minute version that i wanted to which is why there, there are parts of the documentary that might feel quite like almost very heavily edited and very kind of fast-paced and punchy because i had to kind of fit it to this short time frame and also i wanted to keep people i guess um keep their attention to the important information that was getting across but yeah so I, I probably finished the um the full documentary uh, cut in this past summer so from finding out about the church to finishing the ed it was probably about a year and then um it was a it went on a film festival run which meant that i couldn't put it out publicly uh which we you know and i say we meaning everyone who was involved all the contributors and like the both of you and and uh and everyone who i spoke to uh, like we did well in in, in film festival picked up a few awards and stuff 
uh, and there was a really lovely point where we we were in the the film debuted at the uh, Oregon Documentary Film Festival, um, and Kelsey Wells um, went and represented it because she lives nearby, uh, and that felt quite nice for me that it's almost like an extension of the documentary that she was able to go there, introduce the film to this big. It was like a drive-in cinema, which I was very jealous that I couldn't go myself. <laughs> and uh, she got to introduce the film, but also kind of spread that message. Because again, I wasn't setting out to make a preachy documentary or anything like that. I don't have an, an agenda for, in that regard, but the the importance of, of what I found out from speaking to all of the former members and the families that were in fact affected uh, and stuff like that. You know, I, I feel a weird sense of kind of... Um, I, I, I'm forgetting the word, like a, a responsibility to, uh, to, I guess, make sure it's out there, which is why it's almost frustrating how long I've had to wait with paperwork stuff and and, and legal stuff and that. But um, yeah, so yes, but yes, to answer your question in a big long winds away, it was probably about a year from finding out about the church loosely to finishing the edit and bouncing it off like, Kind of experts in film that i know to see what they thought and stuff like that were, were the film festivals always part of the project for you, your school aspect of it or did that was that just a surprise because it was so good <laughs> so so i had a i had in my mind that i wanted to put it out for film festivals um that, that we've never been pushed by university to put it to film festivals or anything like that uh but I, one, I wanted to get, there was also part of me that I wanted to get it out there in front of an audience who definitely wouldn't have stumbled upon it, I guess, uh, beforehand. Or, you know, if anything did come up and, and the release was stifled for whatever reason by, you know, outside kind of interference, for want of a better word, um, that we'd be able to, like, that we've, we've premiered the film. Like, there has been theatres of, you know, uh, of people who have watched this film who have gave given great reviews about the kind of you know the reviews are really about the the stuff that was said and the kind of important kind of interview quotes that were given by the people you know i i was never making this film to be like this is a as much as i put my name in the trailer <laughs> i i've never i never wanted to make this film as like a, oh here's me like here's harry doing this film like it was it was something that interested me and then i quickly realized how important it was to get this film out and 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 delve deeper i guess um so yeah so the, the me just getting out to film festivals was i guess you know in the hope that we would get some accolades or, or me personally i can stick it on my cv and stuff like that but it was mainly to get it out there so that it was fully you know it, it's a it's a legitimate film once it's out there it's not just a kind of as much as we're getting out on youtube to to get out to as many people as possible um like you know it has been in in the theaters at the other side of the world from me which is a weird kind of surreal thing to think about i guess you know it's so it must be it must be a weird feeling i'm like so i i'm happy for you i hope <laughs> this is the first documentary in a long career i um i kind of looked up your youtube channel yep and what was it called? What was your YouTube channel called? So, uh, my, the old name for it was called All Out Attack, which was something okay, okay. I, 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 so I started doing journalism when I was 16. Wow. Um, and I started interviewing kind of, originally, I, like every lad who wants to start 
journalism, they interview sports people. And then I interviewed a woman who was a part of the uh, Jonestown um, uh, massacre, uh, who survived, I guess, that. And then she, she passed away, sadly, a couple of years ago. Uh, and she really took a chance on me being a 16-year-old trying to delve into her story. But since then, I've gone down this complete like left turn where I've I'm, I'm very fascinated in in religion, I guess. Um, but I, I, as well as kind of other fringe groups in society or like people who have interesting stories, I'm you know, I, I'm just very fascinated by that in general. Um, but I can guarantee that nothing has has really kind of had up such a weight. Uh, as much as this documentary has, I guess, like I've I've wrapped my head a lot more with this project than I have done with any other interview or or anything like that, because because th this felt a lot more important, maybe than any other work I've done. Noticed that you had done an interview with a pimp. Yes, that was fairly recently. And I'm curious if you saw similarities between that type of world of prostitution and a cult type of environment that is such a good question because i did whilst i was so this was so the 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 pimp interview i did kind of fell into my because this fellow was doing kind of for reference like I, he, he was now kind of reformed and doing a lot of charity work um to, to help kind of get get people out but he he worked in kind of human trafficking and pimping in, in brooklyn uh, or boston sorry um during the, the 90s and the way he I mean a lot the way he kind of would dangle um kind of salvation almost a little bit over the the girls who work for him it was very much like well you work for me and then you get nice clothes and you come you live in this nice house but they don't actually get paid but they get to live um, I guess in the same way, you know, churches like WSEOG will hang over this kind of eternal salvation or this, if you come with us, we're, like, we're right and, and, you know, you come preach and you come work for us and you donate lots of money. But then in the afterlife, you're you're set, or at least 144,000 people are, are set. Um, so it, it, there, there is a lot of similarities, definitely. I think it's kind of, it's a weird kind of cult-like behavior and there is like in, in in lots of facets of life um because like again those girls are, are kind of tied to and working towards this one man who was in power who who used a lot of tactics to essentially gaslight or manipulate these these girls um and in the same way that there's people in a in a churches all across the world who work towards you know zangil jar uh, and Jucho Kim, and they, they work towards, um, you know, paying them and, and, and doing work for them. So it, it, it's something that I maybe didn't think loads about at the time, but it's such a good question to, because there is a lot of similarities there, definitely. What was the first, what was the first thing that you found out about the Wimscog that, that made you go like, oh, this is a story? Like, not just like, oh, that church is kind of off, but do you remember that? Do you remember? Yeah. So the going back to, I guess, my mate that I, I, I spoke to, her brother was living up in um, in up north. Uh, and there was a church in the church that I went to is in Manchester. But he would commute down to London 
or like however many times a week because that was his church that he was like tied to i guess uh, that was something that immediately stuck into my head that was like the amount of the, the fact that he because I, I went to school with this lad um you know i went to like primary school where we, when we were like what 10 and uh and for him for him someone that i did kind of know to be turned into someone who was just so dedicated to travel across the country you know it's very trains are very expensive in, the, in this country as well if you to commute from up north down to london as much as the us is so much bigger like you're looking at a lot of money to get down a couple of times a week uh that was something that did stick in my head of like the fact that you can brainwash someone or, or kind of get into someone's head so much that they're so dedicated to not even go to the church that's around the corner they have to go to this one to kind of serve a higher being was something that pricked my interest very early on um and then and then from that i i started sending out messages i, I originally contacted the church i was like can i come and speak to you because i didn't know which is why in the, in the documentary i kind of knock on because like they knew my presence i guess because i was i didn't know much about the church and i thought that they might just be happy to <laughs> chat with me beforehand um and then i, I stuck out loads of feelers tried to get in touch with loads of people and then eventually i landed on michelle who um who i hadn't heard of before um who then put me in touch with everyone because she's the most connected person on planet earth <laughs> and um yeah so that that was uh and that, that's where i guess that kind of stemmed from and then a lot of the kind of you know mind bending stuff that maybe people told me then started becoming very repetitive across the board of speaking to people it like it wasn't that people were having different experiences it was that people were having the same experiences same traumatic experience same traumatic tactics that we used over and over and over again for i mean like you know i, I interviewed a, a, a lot of people for this for this film um you know a lot of the people spoke to me anonymously and weren't included as well um so and they were all hitting the same points people who i who didn't even know other people that I'd spoken to or you know I spoke to someone who uh went to uh the church in South Africa um again it was all it was hitting the exact same points as people who I spoke to who went to the church in Seattle like it was it was very uniform across the board uh so then you almost start to become desensitized I guess to how crazy some of these things sound and then you almost have to rein yourself in because you go, you can't just assume that people will will just listen to that and go, oh, that's normal. Like when I was trying to edit it, I was trying to spoon feed people a little bit, but not too much. Because if you're if you're in, you know if you if you're watching a documentary on a kind of religious group, you're normally intelligent enough to make up your own mind, I guess, and stuff like that. But there was a lot of cogs turn and a lot of complicated stuff that had to be, I guess, explained early on in the film um but yeah that kind of crazy aspect and stuff of uh crazy is the wrong word but like outlandish kind of points and, and and experiences and the fact that it was very repetitive was something that made me click in my head i think that oh this it, this is a wide thing that needs to be properly done in a in a documentary i guess Tony, he just used the word outlandish instead of crazy. We just did an episode yesterday of yeah. just me and Tony. And, and Tony said, what is your word for crazy? 
because we don't mean crazy when we say it. Yes. Like the first word that comes to mind. We like outlandish. I think I'm going to write that down. I'm going to use outlandish. For me. <laughs> you know, when you said that, I, I immediately remember that because crazy is, it is crazy, but it, but it's not, you know. That's not the word that land yeah. that's not the word that we want to use because well, when i say crazy as well i don't mean crazy as in like the people are crazy i mean the, right when you hear the things it seems exactly. a bit mad um and, and i think it's very important to remember that the, these are just people you know like, like yourself tony who were caught up in the church who have just like got into their own head because people have, have told them things and they've been kind of manipulated and, and gaslit and brainwashed um it, it's not people that it's something that i expect because i've done quite a lot of work with religious groups and cults that uh and i just the number one question i guess is how do people get kind of caught up in this i mean what what the wms cog do they very calculated they're very calculated in their approach that they'll try and get like um you know new students and and single mothers and stuff like that uh, or certainly single mothers was a big one in the uk that i found that 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 made me feel a bit kind of uncomfortable more so than everything else almost um but yeah like the people are just normal you know if you if you catch someone on a it, it, all it could take was is a, a religious group to catch me in a very low period or on a bad day and then they they have their hooks in um yeah i have a question when you mentioned that among all the different places in the world, you found similar stories. Did you ever find anything that was specific to different regions? Like you, like you just mentioned, um, you you saw that there was a lot of single mothers in the yeah. UK. Did you find any other things like that? So I spoke to um, uh, Professor Tark. Uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of his first name, but his name is Professor Tark. Uh, he's a, um, a kind of professor in cults, really, in South Korea, um, who was who was very intelligent and very enlightening. He had experiences with um, the Moonies, like quite personal experiences. Um, anyway, but has done a lot of research into WMSCOG in Korea, and he, he would talk about how their their approach, because it's almost run like a business, their approach of recruitment changes across the board. Um, so in you know in, in some parts of the world they'll kind of offer new members money as like a kind of token gesture and stuff like that um i mean i can even see if i can find in my notes but they would uh they, they are calculated in terms of different regions so like in in places like japan you'll have um yeah in places like japan you'll there's there's more of a kind of uh connection to family i guess and and respect that that's very overwhelmingly kind of present in their culture so then uh they will focus on maybe mothers and a lot of women it with kind of promises of like uh okay maybe i'm butchering that i'm trying to remember what kind of what you're saying but a lot of kind of family-based stuff basically to tie them in uh it got to the point where in japan i think a lot it was mostly women at one point that were joining certainly in the 90s were joining the church or something um so it does differ across the board and i think that does show in my opinion anyway that there is a business-like um kind of mindset at the top because it is a money-making scheme really and, and a power scheme 
that they have different um, approaches across the board in different countries in the world, in, you know, from Australia to the UK to the US. Um, and they will use that to exploit it and, and get as many people as possible rather than sticking to one kind of mandate that maybe fits their the belief system or whatever of like only get this kind of people really it's get as many people in through the door as possible you know stop them from having kids because then they can't be doing work which was which was the uh, the heaviest thing that i think i i, I found was the kind of you know pressure on abortions and, and stuff like that that's which is covered in the documentary but it was that was that was a heavy one um for, for me to have to kind of hear i guess uh yeah it, it does kind of seem like a kind of money-making point from the top and and i think the different approaches across the board in different countries kind of show that so when this documentary is released on youtube do you expect any pushback from the wmscog yes uh i i, I yes. think i it's another reason of wanting to get it out into kind of film festivals and stuff like that because it's they can't go back and change the past like this film is being seen already by people um and and kind of i guess picked up its plaudits i guess that way as well uh realist i i was very you know i am media law trained um through my course like i'm I, and i was very careful to make sure that there is nothing i i personally as a as a journalist don't say anything slanderous or or about the church anything that is kind of explored or said by people is backed up with multiple testimonies it's why i interviewed like i think it was close to like 40 people in the end um wow. or maybe in the 30s but like again like there's a lot of testimony there that again it's, it's people's stories um even i mean there's a, a slight spoiler maybe but the, at the end at the end i wanted to end it with this kind of crescendo of look at all these people coming forward and 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 they, a lot of the, they, were, they were all real anonymous testimonies of, of people who didn't want to be in the film but they wanted to their quotes to be in the film almost and they um and so much so that there's so much that pops on the screen that you can only catch maybe like 20 percent of it, it if you watch it the first time around because it's just constantly popping up um but that video that i basically put up on the um examining the wsug site um was me that that was taken down within like a few days for invasion of privacy i know my i know my legal stuff me knocking on that door wasn't invasion of privacy um they then came out and spoke to me um they there was a camera it wasn't like i was in clandestine filming there was a big camera there uh i sent a letter um to them which i have you know evidence of me sending the letter uh the, the week before saying the exact time that i'd rock up on the date uh, i'd made loads of efforts to call them and email them and from my like point of view it seemed that none of the emails or numbers were real um or at least certainly weren't connected to anywhere the numbers didn't connect to anything uh and never dialed so i, I was very over the top with because at the end of the day again i'm not on a i wasn't i was never on a crusade to try you know blindly going in like i knew what i was doing um the fact that they took that that's what i think that because that video has never gone back up that kind of call out video um so it hasn't didn't go back up on youtube anyway uh 
that's what I'm kind of expecting. I, I've I've reached out to YouTube before the film's coming out to try and make sure that that's kind of dotted. But it's also the reason why when I'm when we're pushing the film, I want to kind of say like, you know, watch it before it gets taken down. The, the aim is that it goes back up. But if it does get taken down, I want it to be like we knew this was a possibility, and there's a reason that they want to take it down. At the end of the day, like as I've put lots of effort into this, but I'm also you know at the time I was a journalism student. I'm like, well, I was 22 and I did it. I'm 23 now. Like, realistically, this film going out, it, it's seen by by as many people as we possibly can. Um, if if a major religion or, or you know a religious group, whatever you want to call them, come and take down and stifle essentially a student project, uh, it's the Barbara Streisand effect, really. Like they will. It will bl- like it. It can only really. It, it looks bad. It looks really bad, on them. Um, you know, fingers crossed that they don't take it down. But but uh, if they do, I think it it, it almost yeah. It, it, it doesn't look good, to their ahead. intention definitely. Yeah. Oh, did they ever speak with you ever? Like when you called them or you sent them letters, did they ever, ever respond to you? No, so they never responded beforehand. Um, I tried to call and text. So that in that interaction with the church, I actually knocked on twice. I knocked on in the morning. I had an interview booked with a former member. Um, after, like kind of afterwards, uh, and it ended up getting delayed and then canceled on the day. Uh, because of kind of stuff that came up. So I went back to the church and, and that's why I'm maybe more in the footage that's actually seen. I'm a bit more um, accusational and stuff like that because I'm trying to get it all out at once because it was very clear that they didn't want to play ball in any way. Um, and then like in in recent times, I've had some messages on kind of Instagram by accounts that have zero followers asking for the documentary. So I think that they are kind of acutely aware that something's going on um they i mean they clearly know who they will have gone my my kind of uh guess is that when i knocked on they probably would have gone in and gone someone has knocked on and they're making a project because i was very clear in the documentary um you know i wasn't trying to hide anything from them and and because as a journalist it was my it's my kind of uh, responsibility that i have to give them the right of reply and i did you know tenfold really i gave them so many opportunities to say i even asked them if they wanted to refute any of the claims that were said and they continued to say no <laughs> which that is like that must have been so frustrating you're like i just have some questions to ask you well it, so the, the, it's why the film looks it, it, it's a it's a very different style a very new style that i've ever worked before because it's a film without any access which is why I'm so happy that, that it's been received so well because it's quite a difficult thing to pull off, I guess, a little bit. Maybe I'm not, not trying to like make myself sound that good, <laughs> but like, um, for instance, there's a, the, my, my kind of journalistic idols, Louis Theroux, he's a British documentary filmmaker. He did a film uh, called My Scientology Movie, did a film on the Scientologists. That film is essentially a film with no access. That's almost the kind of, theme of the film is that he's trying to make a documentary on people that actively don't want him to make a documentary on them um and that's obviously with with less kind of budget and and, and stuff like that's kind of what i was going for because i had to go down that line which is why i then spoke to a million and one people 
to get as much of the story as possible. And I was like this. I mean, I even contacted the the charity commission, um, which comes up at the end or whatever. I gave them a right of reply as to why the hell a like then they because they, they answered my questions over email, but they didn't want to have a proper um, it sit down interview. Uh, about the we love you foundation is that what you're talking about can it was more so so it was the british commission's um the british kind of uh charity commission it's okay. uh the world mission society church of god in the uk is registered as a charity because it's a religious charity um and i spoke to a woman called joy cranham in the film who is a kind of uh she used to be in a in a cult uh, down in plymouth uh, called the plymouth brethren in in england um and she was talking about the charity commission she was like why did religious charities keep on getting away with this like when it's proven when you know this film alone has a load of testimony from people in the church saying that they were pressured to have abortions that they were um you know gaslit manipulated made to recruit people you know it's all this kind of money-making scheme but charity i spoke to the charity commission and they basically said that it's not on them to kind of police it I guess, uh, you know, and, and kind of, um, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but but along those lines, basically. Um, so yeah, like, it, it, it's if a- If not them, then who? That's what I exactly. wanna know. If they're not the ones that are gonna investigate, then who the hell is? Oh, absolutely. It, it's, it, it doesn't really make much sense at all. And I mean, the, and it's not i think it's just their lack of because there, there are other groups that will also be explained like you know the wfcog is not the only religious group who is you know kind of taking mm. these liberties or whatever um so yeah it, it is a, a weird one I, even the same with like you know you, you were talking before about we've been wanting the documentary for ages like at the end of the day like i've, I've put a lot of effort into this but i am a, a student or well, i'm no longer a student but at the time making it, i was a student journalist um the fact that I guess any kind of coverage on the church from big name kind of publications gets taken down or, or stuff like that, allegedly, I guess for legal purposes, um, is it, it is worrying, I guess. And and the fact that, that, you know, big religions and big religious groups who have this power can get away with that uh, is just wrong. <laughs> like, there's no other way to put it, really. It's it's uh, a frustrating and kind of sad reality and it shouldn't be stood for um and and people should push for it i guess a bit more right that is so true that's why we're here yeah exactly i, know, I just want to give it a good old boom baby right after that <laughs> um okay i have a question you said mm -hmm. that it seems like when when the when the film went around you know the world at the film festivals, it seems like it was received well. Yes. And you mentioned that it received awards. Can you maybe mention some of those awards that you received? Yeah, so it was, um, I personally in the UK won um, uh, ITV, new, ITV is like the kind of second largest broadcaster in the UK behind the BBC. Um, and uh, I won like an ITV news award for it. And then it, at film festivals in the US it won uh best international director at both the um oregon documentary film festival and the texas the texas film festival and it was nominated in texas for best documentary uh, 
which I get it, it, it from a personal standpoint, it's something I'm very proud of because a lot of the films like that I come up against have funding or have some sort of backing or have real cameras, <laughs> have people who can. I mean, you know, and Maddie and Adam, who were who had, were my cinematographers or whatever, were fantastic. But like, have little. They're not professional cinematographers. Maddie had never held a camera before, um, and and it's that to kind of come up against people and, and beat people in categories that, you know, great filmmakers in their own right, um, it is a it's a kind of proud thing, I guess, for me in that in that regard. It's something I'm uh, a bit smitten over, I guess. Well, yeah absolutely as you should be that is yes, a great you. accomplishment and it really makes me happy that people want to hear the story and maybe that will give it momentum to maybe make some of those changes so that these big groups cannot get away with it anymore because it is not just the whimskog it is yeah hundreds. and and they hide you know they're hidden among our local communities and it needs to be stopped so it just it makes me happy that people are willing to listen and it's it's getting a well reception a good reception. yeah the, the the best thing that that came from it and i'm, I'm trying to find it here is um i i got reviews basically from people who attended the from the organizers uh, of the festivals and uh, the Texas, so the, the Oregon Documentary Film Festival, I guess everyone goes in with this mindset of like, we're going to cover, you know, some, some of them are, are fun, some of them are, are whatever, but they're all documentaries. So you go in that kind of ready to watch a documentary. Whereas in Texas, that was a genuine film festival. Um, they're both genuine, but I mean, like there was, there was, you know, comedy films there and stuff like that. And people were, were enjoying all of these kind of fiction films. And then this, the documentary came and apparently it was completely silent the entire time it was on and then there was a lot of great responses afterwards and a lot of clapping and stuff like that, which obviously i wasn't there because <laughs> i would have loved to go to uh, san antonio for it but um to hearing that and hearing the fact that it was well received by an audience that wasn't maybe even ready to watch a documentary let alone quite a heavy one about a, a kind of religious group um kind of meant that we'd as a, as a whole had done something right and that we've hit the right mark um and this isn't a kind of you know i don't want it to come across as this kind of student project or whatever that's kind of been macgyvered together a little bit uh because at the end of the day i'm very proud of the journalism that went into it and the the stories that are told are the, are the kind of uh thrusters i guess that carry the whole film uh, and the, you know the genuine kind of emotion from everyone who who spoke to me, and I'm very privileged to have been able to sit down and speak to people. Um, but yeah, so that that that's something I'm, I'm mainly proud of was the fact that that we got it out there and that people that we got the exact right response that we want, I guess, <laughs> from people that they took something away from it, and it wasn't just like oh, that was quite interesting. Or, oh, here's this crazy cult or whatever. They like people were like, this is serious, and they took something away from it. I think that's um, yeah, something I'm very happy with. You said something right in the beginning of um, when you knocked on the door, you really wanted to be like invited in and like have yeah. a sit down conversation, but you knew enough about it that you you wouldn't like you already had the information, and I I think that what we're all doing is giving people the chance to like 
know the know all the information that's like slowly fed to the members once they're baptized to make if they know all that information and they still want to join then their organization will stay successful and they'll live a long happy life but it's fair to say that people should have the information before they're baptized into it and a year goes by and they've given all of their money and haven't spoken to their family and it's that slow roll of like um, manipulation for them so we're just giving them all the information up front that's all we're doing and then if wimscog is successful from that then yeah i mean it's something that michelle said in in the film michelle said you know everyone has the right to to follow whatever religion that they want to um but they should know beforehand they should know that the mother god was divorced and uh, and had kids and the so and the anton young had children uh and a wife and and and, and like um the, the this is the thing it's like we're, we're if, you know if, if anyone from the church ever wanted to get in touch with me be like i want to sit down and talk about like i'm all ears i just what, what i tried to do during the film um if you know again if, if I, i'm a big believer in religious freedom i'm not trying to convert this isn't me on a like like some other things where people have been quite people are religious i guess and they want to kind of discredit certain religions to make sure that they follow a certain branch of christianity or, or whatever uh, i i you know i don't care <laughs> kind of thing in terms of like if if you want to watch all this and then go no this is still for me then there was no saving you i guess a little bit in terms of um the, the stuff that I, I put forward in the documentary was never going to sway your mind but the fact that people don't have that information going in and they think it's a church service and, and they think that it's all very tame until you're so far and you're given so much money that you can't go back really and you have this fear of hell and fear of death put into you so vividly and you put all your trust in these people at the top who then turn around and tell you oh well don't listen to this person because they must be possessed by the devil if they're thinking about leaving uh or the the fact also that there's this weird culture of kind of snitching i guess uh and and you're constantly being watched and surveyed and there's just constant paranoia in the church it, it's something that you fall into without knowing you know if i if i say to someone oh look at this church here you there will be a constant level of paranoia and you'll be afraid of, uh, of death and and you have to you know uh follow this woman in career which they don't even lead with half the time during the recruiting um if you listen to all that and go oh i still want to go into this church then fair play to you but like it's important to have that information out there um because otherwise people stumble into it people who are new students in transitional periods in their life where they don't, they're reinventing themselves. They don't know what to do and they end up falling into it. People who, you know, like Michelle, um, lost her, her dad's roundabout when, when she joined um, and, and kind of uh, was in a low point in her life and joined them. Like they, they, it's almost like copy and paste stories that I heard over and over again. Obviously, they're very individual to people and very personal, but it is the same as like they all fell into it because they were in either a period where they were changing themselves or a period where they were down um like if that's the kind of entry requirements to be in a church that you're vulnerable that's not the correct way a, a religious group should run um or at least that's what i believe anyway <laughs> that is so true and as a human how many of us are 
never going to be in a vulnerable situation. It's exactly. going to happen to every single one of us, which is, I think, the beautiful point that you make that anybody can fall into this trap. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it, it, the, the documentary will come out um, 17th of December, Sunday, the 17th of December. Um, it'll come out at 6 p.m. GMT, which is about 10 a.m. Uh, Colorado time, I guess. So work that, you know, I, I used to live in Oklahoma, so that it's about uh, 12 o'clock Oklahoma time, I think. Um, so, yeah, so it'll come out then. Uh, I guess my, on my Twitter is uh, Rob O'Harry, R-O-B-B-O-H-A-R-O-Y. And I'll be plugging it, I guess, until from, from when the trailer drops until the release. I wanted a kind of quick window to get it out there because I didn't want it to be stifled, I guess, before it's even come out. Um, so hopefully we can gain some real momentum in the kind of short little window that we have to plug it. But yeah. What's next for you? What is your next investigation? Um, I don't, for, I, I mean, I always have ideas. I, I did a, um, I, like I filmed stuff as well with certain groups that that never kind of came to light and stuff like that. Uh, like I had I had food with a, which I might edit and release at one point. I had food with a religious kind of proper evangelical group in Oklahoma and they all looked quite Amish. Um, I mean, they weren't Amish, but they, they kind of dressed almost as if they were had big long beard so i might add, add, there's a lot of stuff like that i mean currently i work for a kind of comedy podcast which is such a change of pace from what i'd been working on for the past year i guess with this documentary um but i want to jump into something straight away and i'm not sure whether that is something along the same lines as as what i've done recently where I, i'm almost kind of trying to put something out because it feels quite important or if i want to change i guess my angle a bit change of pace um because i mean you know there, there was no other angle to make this this film in there is there's one side that i heard from one side that didn't want to speak to me and the side that i heard from um kind of enamored me so much in terms of the what i was told kind of uh, i don't know motivated me quite a lot to i guess do a good job with this documentary um so yes, yeah, so I'm not sure if there'll be a change of pace, I guess, in the future. But uh, I'm just—I mean, again, I'm only 23, so, so I think I've got a, a little bit of time, I guess, to mull things over and stuff like that. Even though I'm a bit hairy and don't look it. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do. We will be following Thank you, you so much. We will be following whatever you do. Thank you so much, Tony. Yeah, one day we'll get to be like, oh, remember when he was just like coming out of school and we got to. <laughs> And now he's this like famous filmmaker. I know. I, I see it. Well, I'm expecting the both of you to stay in touch. You know what I mean? Don't be a stranger and, and all that. We will. <laughs> we will. We'll definitely follow this story. I'm sure that we'll have an update episode. Maybe we'll do something like the day that it comes out or something. We'll I, have... I, I will come back on at any. Um, Maybe I, we'll come back on when they try to take it down and then, you know, you can tell us all the things that happen. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. I want it and, to be out there as long as it can be. Maybe you'll get a call from Korea. Like, as long as it doesn't charge me a big phone bill, then I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> you want to call? Here comes another call. And she'll give I you the interview and then the story will be complete. <laughs> I, that would be brilliant. But I also think that 
Um, I might be quite low down on on Zangil Josh wishes of, <laughs> of people to speak to, maybe. Um, Did you ever speak with anybody from Korea besides a professor? Uh, one I had one or two people who who sent anonymous uh, messages, but never anyone kind of. Um, they're also quite hard to kind of get in touch with, I guess, a little bit more because right. there's also a. But when I spoke with the professor, there was a a slight language barrier, which I mean, his English is fantastic. His English is it's so much better than my Korean is. Um, but to find someone who is in the church who I can also speak to, uh, or, or someone who has left the church who I can kind of speak to is quite uh, was quite I guess difficult. But there were people that that responded, um, or for, who were from all over the place who responded with kind of anonymous testimony. Um, which so that their stories are told despite the fact that interview wise like you won't i guess see anyone uh yeah <laughs> right wow all right it's coming guys keep your eyes out we'll be back with updates as as you know life does unfold you know what's <laughs> gonna happen from this and hopefully this is the spark of a big revolution Thank you. Well, Tony and Lizzie, thank you so much for even bothering to have me on and, and uh, you know, especially the first time you spoke to me, the, like I keep on saying it, but it really was a privilege to kind of hear both of your stories and hear everyone else's stories. And the fact that I've managed to stay kind of close knit and, and in touch with everyone as this whole process has gone on is, um, is lovely. <laughs> really, really nice. So yeah, yeah thank you like so much. It's like we have our little community, all of us together. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much for all the work that you've done. We we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Boom, baby. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah.